So this week we are really excited because we just got back from a really magical week in Mexico. Yeah, we really did. It was a profound trip, very energized from it, excited to share what we did. Um, we spent some quality time together. We did lots of relaxing uh, on the beach. And uh, yeah, it really was a magical time away. I mean, we should maybe elaborate. We didn't just go for a week pure beach vacation. We actually attended four days at the Wanderlust retreat in Playa del Carmen. Had a really cool eco boutique resort called Palmaya House of Aya. And it was just the property itself was something that is so aligned with what we're always talking about in terms of consciousness, purpose, sustainability. And then having a specific retreat being held there with so many yoga teachers, meditation, meditation teachers, functional medicine, everyone being kind of aligned and learning and practicing, connecting to ancient rituals and just the environment in the place was just really cool. I mean, it was different to just any vacation where you just go and relax. It was more, it was relaxing, but it was also really self-discovery and learning and community. I think that was the big thing for me. It was such a great community. It was big community. <clears throat> I really didn't know what to expect before we went. I mean, obviously we read about it. You never know when you've not trialed anything before. One thing actually I was a little apprehensive about was the scale of the resort. It was also all inclusive, which for me sort of prejudicially um, sort of sent some alarm bells ringing of like, oh, how is this going to be able to deliver on the scale that kind of wellness focused modality? And they really did an incredible job just from the way the buildings were laid out to the service, the staff and all the offerings that they offered at the property in terms of food and beverage. Like I said, that was all inclusive. It, it really, it very much exceeded my expectations. And maybe going back to a little bit of the history that we found out about the resort Palmaya House of Aya, I believe it opened in January 2020. So it's a fairly new concept and it's really centered around health and wellness and a lot of the most of the food is plant-based which is interesting too we've tried plant-based like pure pure plant-based as a diet before it didn't quite work for us so we definitely do incorporate animal protein what was really nice to see though is that having plant-based food available and it being so delicious and then you can add protein to it but the main concept was plant-based same with the drinks. Main concept was non-alcoholic drinks, mocktails, and then you added the alcohol versus a different concept that is where you just take the alcohol away. So just that that concept around it, I think, is really clever. And it's, it's really more about people not just coming on a vacation and relax and let go and feeling like they come from such a stressed life that they need to release and just really go crazy. It's more about really finding yourself and connecting with yourself. Apart from Wanderlust Retreat, that's really the, the mission and the concept behind the resort. And just the way it was built as well as, I think they were saying it's about only 30% of the grounds are occupied by buildings and everything else they just left to the jungle, to the mangroves, to nature. And it's just really beautiful to really see that throughout, that you're so connected to the natural environment and it just doesn't feel like the buildings just came and destroyed it. And like you were saying, our apprehension was so many hotel rooms it still always felt very boutique. So it was really clever the way it was done. They did a really good job. And that <clears throat> the main kind of pedestrian route that is the kind of golf cart route that sits between 
the buildings and the jungle it's so densely um you know grown in with the natural environment that you don't get a you don't get a sense or you can't really see the hotel buildings themselves and they, they've been quite clever they've broken the hotel buildings into uh, pods they're five stories so they're not small but they've done a yeah clever job with both the architecture and blending it into the natural environment that you don't feel like oh no i'm just at a sort of a beach resort in say cancun um they've done an amazing job of blending it and it, it's been clever because when we think about destination retreats or hotels that are focused on wellness they tend to be very boutique often the rooms are individual they're little casitas or uh, pods you know dotted around a property this is you know pure hotel rooms and then what's nice is that the um their exterior loaded corridors so you you know traverse up the building all the corridors are external and then you go into the room um, from the backside, which is the jungle side, and then when you enter the room, you then get expansive views of the beach and the Caribbean Sea, which again was just magical. So it's a really nice balance of interacting with the jungle and then getting those expansive sea views. And the rooms themselves, again, really well appointed. We understand that they have to, you know, hospitality wise, meet a certain criteria and need and functionality and durability but they blended that pretty well um they did they did a good job they give you a, a good sense of place um and yeah just comfortable big high ceilings um we we had a nice suite that had a you know a separate bathtub in the middle of the room a little lounge area amazing views balcony we're on the fifth floor so our views across the beach and the resort and the sea were pretty spectacular one thing I was really excited about was actually the mini bar, which usually I don't get as excited about mini bars in hotels. But this mini bar, there was no alcohol in the mini bar. It was one herbal drink, coconut water after the other, like and a lot of local uh, products too. So I was just really excited that it was just something a, a healthy taste you can try. Nice teas, um, yeah. So that was one one of my treats. It was good, and 24-hour room service, <clears throat> which again had a pretty good menu, all plant-based, no refined sugars, no seed oils, just, and what was interesting, actually, portion size, they did a good job on controlling portions, so it, at first glance, you would look at something and think, oh, that's a little small, but it's only small in our westernized world where we're used to seeing gigantic portions of food. Everything was so beautifully made and was rich and delicate that and because because of that, you could often feel comfortable having three courses. You didn't feel like I'm going to overeat if I have a, a starter, a main entree and a dessert. So that was a really nice way to eat consciously and experience a, a true three course meal nearly at nearly every meal. Yeah. The other thing I was um, reading is that uh, Palmaya House of Aya is actually one of the first carbon neutral resorts in the world. So I think that was an interesting thing too. And they're completely plastic bottle free. So that was a nice, nice thing to see. The other thing to point out is what they, apart from the Wanderlust Festival, where we were mentioning all these different practitioners being available, is they have a program called Architects of Life. So that means they already have as a program offered when you come and stay, it's kind of a personal growth program and they pull up a lot on ancient rituals so these architects of life they help you design or structure your life and i think this is a really nice way especially for us being 
in the architectural design field to think about that we can design our life. We can create our life. We can create our destiny in design. Yeah, be architects of our lives. So I thought that was a really nice way of connecting personal growth with that concept. Yes, it was a beautiful phrase. And having met a lot of those practitioners, they, they really are architects of life. They had a beautiful way of ex expressing the rituals that we went through and deep connection to the environment, the, you know, the Mayan jungle and all of those medicines that are sort of brought through heritage to, to them. And then they offer them on to, to us through those experiences. And that, that was such a nice touch. And we did love that phrase, architects of life. And we were like, hmm, we could incorporate that somehow. We definitely like that. Yeah. So even just getting on a vacation there, so you always know there is a program there with the Architects of Life. They also have, because of it being a wellness resort and it really making a name for itself, there's practitioners from all over the world really coming and being, I think they're called visiting guides. So that when they come and teach, if it's yoga, meditation, um, any other classes, that they for a certain period of time, they're part of the program as well. And I think that's a really nice way of incorporating on-site holistic approaches and then having people coming from all over the globe influencing that as well. I think that keeps the, the staff there uh, fresh too and I think it keeps it interesting for them. No, really good. I can't think of any, really any negatives about the property. Um, I mean, at the Wanderlust group, there's 250 people there. It was funny that a lot of the time I was thinking like, where is everybody? Because even at the restaurants at lunchtime, I think because it's so spread out and there's three or four or five restaurants, it really, you didn't hardly see anybody. It didn't feel busy. And I kept thinking like, are we, are we missing? Is there an area of the property we're not visiting that everybody's congregating at? But it it wasn't that at all. It was just so spread out through all the, the indoor and outdoor class spaces, obviously the beach, the jungle, and then all the different food and beverage outlets, uh, that cool kind of cafe where you can hang out and just, yeah, just felt like a great place to sit and read a book or do some work. It, it really was well done. We were definitely, it wasn't exclusively uh, rented or bought out by the Wanderlust group, I don't think. So I think there were other guests there, regular guests. It'd be interesting. We were sort of the start of the high season, so I guess it was still fairly low season be interesting how it felt when it got a lot busier that would be the only thing i couldn't really judge if it was because everything was available to us whether you want a cabana by the pool or you wanted one of those cool little beach huts um in the sand there was no issue with getting anything i wonder how it would pan out in high season that's the only unknown but it, it really felt felt really well done uncrowded and just yeah in for the scale that it was, felt very connected to the environment and the sense of place. The other thing I notice, and when we talk about wellness resorts, we often think about, oh, is this for families? Is it for adults? And they did an adult-only section and a family section. With our group, there were a few kids there. I know that they have a Waldorf school on site as well, which I think is a really nice concept because we want to, even with families, we want to have accessibility. Um, but having the option for people to say, okay, I'm either not here with my family, I don't want the kids in my vicinity and I'm in an adults only section or having a family section. I think that's a really good concept as well to not make it just exclusive for um, people with families not be able to come. So I think, again, that's a really good thought out concept. Yeah. And it felt like that worked really well. It really did. Everything was great. I have, I have no 
nothing negative to say. It really was a, an, a magical experience that I went into completely, or we went into completely open to just let's see what it's all about and pleasantly surprised. And it, yeah, through the experiences that we'll touch on now, or some of the rituals we did, it, it added so much to the, the whole experience. It, it, yeah, it wasn't a week on the beach. It was really something that added and had some transformational elements to it. One thing I wanted to mention before we dive into our activities is on the first day when we were walking around the property, we discovered their gym. And the gym is actually a glass box in the jungle. And I mean, you couldn't think of a cooler place to walk out just with the, the monkeys that are on site as well, with the spider monkeys like <laughs> exercising around you, basically. Yeah. yeah. So I thought it was another really, really interesting component. It really was a cool gym. I did go out and work out in there well appointed great modern equipment but just had that yeah the way it was embedded into the jungle that just with that yeah pretty much three sides of glass that you just looked out it was just it really was magical and if you can't get inspired to work out there then you can't get inspired to work out anywhere <laughs> <laughs> good point now we're spoiled now we're back in our uh, garage I don't, but hey. <laughs> with the vision of the jungle gym around yeah. us so we want to we wanted to like recap and partially to kind of share our experience and then also for us to still process because I feel like often we go to places we experience so much and then especially when we go back to like day-to-day -day, life absorbs us and then we almost forget about what we experience our subconscious still has it but we sometimes even forget about what we've done so for us this is a way to kind of recap and relive it a little bit and then also kind of document and, and go back to and remember because we've done so many amazing things a lot of new things as well to us so I think we want to maybe dive into the the program that we attended. Definitely. Yeah, that integration process is really important, isn't it? Because there's there's a lot to learn, there's a lot of experiences, and we can just just kind of go through the motions. Oh, I did this class, I did this ritual, and I'm on to the next one, without really taking the time to think how, what the experience was, kind of like you said, relive the experience, how it could benefit you you know sometimes things are uncomfortable why was it uncomfortable i know for me i've started taking notes or sort of journaling about things which never thought about doing before but that's a really good way to capture something in the moment by that mind hand writing connection putting something down on paper and like you said to relive it it's interesting to go back to your notes and go oh yeah that's what i was feeling that's what i was thinking that's what i learned It's been really a great way to, to capture that and be able to revisit it and bring it back, kind of revisit it, bring it back whenever you want at any time of the day. It's, it's been great. So diving into day one. Actually, before we oh. dive into day one, the, the way the Wanderlust set it up is before you went, they gave a whole schedule for each day, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and they allowed you to pick three activities to sign up for and then beyond that you could turn up to other activities but you'd have to sort of wait at the you know the entry to the class and if there was room then you could kind of be on a waiting list and go in which i think worked really well initially because there were so many i i thought oh three out of the whole day doesn't seem that much but actually for me personally I was really glad I didn't try and cram too many things in, sort of feeling like, oh, you've got to get your money's worth. I found that doing the three things that I chose, and we did supplement with a, a fourth uh, uh, activity at times, was enough to experience it, 
think about it, integrate it before moving on to the next one. I did witness some people that seem to be trying to almost just to do everything and I can't judge them, but I felt like if that was me, it wouldn't really give me enough time to stop and pause and think, oh, what did I experience? Because yes, doing something like yoga or yoga nidra is fairly commonplace for some people, but doing some of these other deeper rituals that we'll talk about, they they take a lot out of you or they really make you kind of think and it's a profound experience at times. So I really wanted to have the time to integrate and think about that before rushing off to the next class. Yeah, I think that's a really good point to make sure that you don't do too much because the, and I think we've learned that a little bit more than any other time before is the really the integration and processing time. And what was really nice, and we'll get to that on the last day, some of those classes were really more centered around the integration process. So the program, the way it was built, was really with that being consciously in mind as well. So I think what we'll do is we'll go through sort of, we won't go through everything in tons of detail, but just sort of touch on some of the activities we did each day and some of the things we learned and what we felt worked well, you know, what was transformational, what kind of our takeaways yeah really our takeaways yeah so day one we said started day one with a meditation and the meditation was called rooted with mother nature and the lady leading it her name was aurora fortessa and she is actually one of the architects of life at palmaya house of aya so she's one of the practitioners that you get to meet when you stay at the resort and it was, she's a holistic guide, yoga, meditation teacher, and she focuses on traditional Mayan healings. What was really a big thing for me was, we know by now, I think, if everyone listened to all the episodes, how much I love meditation. The setting was just really beautiful. It was this tensile tent really close to the ocean. You sat in the tent and you heard and saw the ocean you saw the jungle around it, you had the jungle noises around it. So settling in and especially on the first day of a retreat like that, doing a meditation that is around rooting yourself in nature was such a good way to start and to really arrive and consciously arrive and forget about a lot of the other things that are in your head having just come from a very different place, having come from work the day before, kind of stresses, and just really sit, connect with your breath, and then listen to nature. And for me, that takeaway was to really understand, even coming back now, is that our breath can really take us out of the stress we're in, can take us. And for me now, because I have that association with that beautiful place, it takes me back to the connection to nature. Now, thinking about taking a meditation out in nature and just more the meditation being that you focus on nature and hear and almost smell and feel your surrounding that's a really really nice way of connecting yeah it was a beautiful setting it was completely open-sided tent so we were sat on a deck like anisa said it was sort of half half in the beach jungle half views of the ocean and it was guided but that was the one takeaway that she really helped us concentrate on listening to the sounds around us and she asked us to sort of listen out for three sounds so obvious things were the sound of the ocean and then there was um you know things like the wind or there were birds chirping in the trees next to us so it it really does just center you and connect you to that moment in time and stops your mind racing and and going off on a tangent and 
It was beautiful. We did majority, I think for the majority of the time it was a seated meditation. And at the end, she offered us the opportunity to lie down for the last sort of 10 minutes. And for me, it's that point where I always go to that yoga nidra phase where you're in between sort of sleep and consciousness. And it's it's a very interesting space that I find I can go to very quickly now having meditated more or started to learn the techniques or my body's got used to it it's like oh yeah i enjoy that let's go there quickly not thinking about how to get there or trying to force it too much so yeah it was a perfect start to the to the week and set the intention yeah what i was thinking about with another um connection with it was breath was the other thing connecting to nature think about nature and just really sometimes it's it's just during the day just really connecting to your breath and your breath can really take you out of all these stressful situations and i think that's just, it's such an easy technique by just stopping what you're doing and taking even just one deep breath already makes a difference that makes might make a difference for you to then be ready or open to taking another deep breath it's like these little steps like because when we're stressed in a normal environment it's sometimes meditation or any consciousness can be so far away from anything from us so that was just nice. It's very simple. I think it's just being taught simple techniques as well that are really practical and that you can use when you're not in a beautiful setting. Because beautiful settings, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> it's much easier. Yes. No, it was it was really great. And then the second thing we went to this was this was a big one, especially for you and us to meet Kimberly Schneider. I know you're sort of a fangirl of hers, so that was great to meet her and listen she did a talk each day that she uh she was calling the um four cornerstones and the first one was to do with food and our daily rhythms again in a beautiful setting sat in this open-sided tent on the beach and she gave a really nice talk and conversation that yeah it was interesting how she was structuring it so like i said she's doing these four cornerstones and this one around food and for us, we, and through you especially, we have a pretty good handle on eating and food and, you know, how to be conscious around it. It was interesting speaking to some other group that are there, you know, people are really are learning for the first time a lot of thoughts around and food. But what were her, sort of Kimberly's pointers or takeaways that she was trying to instill in us? So just going back to you saying a bit of a, what did you say, girl? Fan, fan girl. <laughs> fan girl. So I just read one of Kimberly's recent books, which is called You're More Than You Think You Are. And that book just resonated with me on so many levels. And then um, meeting her in person, just even sharing with her that I loved her book and asking her a couple little kind of questions that were lingering after I read it was just really, was just really cool. And then going back to the cornerstones, so the her whole concept is based around four cornerstones. Like you were saying, the first one was food. We tapped a lot into the Ayurvedic food principles, which some people might be aware or not, but it's just really, it was nice for me, the the kind of tea cake away about it was about simplicity around food. Because I personally would say I'm a really big foodie. I feel like I often kind of overcomplicate maybe our meals during the week because I feel like every meal needs to, needs to be a spectacle because I just love good flavors. But just really the consciousness that she was explaining about this extra stress you sometimes cause yourself, the extra energy expend expenditure, 
that you could put into other areas that might benefit you a little bit more than just that pleasure of having that exciting meal. So for me, that was a really good kind of reminder to keep it really simple. And then thinking about that as well, you help your body to digest much easier as well, because if you have so many components on your plate, so many complex carbohydrates, proteins, fats, everything else is much harder to digest. So I think that was really nice to understand that we were touching on simple things like not really drinking during meals because you just really dilute the nutrients in your stomach. It's just like a swimming pool in your stomach to rather drink. Well, you had you thought? You yeah, it's thought diluting that? Yeah. the digestive acid. So it, yeah. it dilutes your ability to be able to digest the food, uh, which I think was already important. We don't really think about yeah. that. We've always drank water or whatever else during a meal. Yeah, I mean, that's all, most of the time... That's when people sit down and consciously drink. Yeah. And she was just switching that around a bit and saying, you should drink between your meals. And then during meals, you shouldn't be drinking. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a, and she never said in a way like you can and can't. It was yeah. just more of a really sharing knowledge. And I think she was very good about not making things feel like there's a, it's a, it's a must. And if you don't do that, something uh, bad's going to happen. It's just more when you learn, educate, then you can make those choices. The other uh, component was interesting and we really relate to that is not drinking ice water because it's when you think about with digestion you really want to especially in Ayurveda you want to ignite your digestive fire and thinking about adding ice to it you just completely extinguish the fire in your digestive tract so ice water and that's the one thing that we still really didn't get, haven't gotten used to living in the states is we often say our water without ice um, because it's just I feel that my digestion is not as good with drinking this ice cold water, so we touched on that. Yeah, I, I mean, we we I I never have ice in my water anymore. It's it's partly I don't like I sort of don't like it, and also now understand from a digestive point of view, so it makes a lot of sense. There were yeah, the key takeaways for me, you and you know, it's a lot of it's common sense. It's keep yeah, like you said, keeping food really simple, not having too many different things on your plate. Um regular eating time so trying a bit like going to sleep and waking up is also eating at the same time which she then promoted would help with your general digestive system and you know the other movements we need to do as well she talked about when eating fruit um after a meal which is pretty common but she said you should actually eat it before because the fruit is high in sugar so therefore it wants to digest very quickly and if you put it on top of something that's slower digesting it can kind of get stuck that's often when she says you create bloating and other ailments such as that so if you eat the fruit first it will actually digest because it's basically sugar water it will digest quickly before you then put something more slow digesting on top so that was an interesting one um kind of goes against how you think about eating the food types in order in a meal because we often think as fruit is a healthy dessert so I think that's kind of that that switch a little bit. Uh, we also touched on, because I was talking about that, a lot of these principles were based on Ayurveda, is we were talking about the different body types, the vata, pitta, kappa, and what we as the body constitution, often we're a mix of those types, um, but there's one predominantly one that shows a little bit what we what foods we do better with and which ones we don't. So I think understanding that a little bit, and there's some really good online resources as well to take tests to understand what type you are mm -hmm. it was it was really good 
And then from there, we went in a completely different direction and we went and listened to a conversation around microdosing and um, the protocols around mushrooms, essentially. And that was led by Santiago Tarditi. And it was really interesting. Again, beautiful. We coincidentally were under what they called the mushroom tent or the mushroom hut, which was on the beach. Beautiful wood sculptural structure that looks like a giant mushroom that sits on the beach. So a group of us gathered there and Santiago gave a really nice presentation, sort of a 101 on mushrooms and microdosing. And obviously pointed out that in most places, mushrooms, uh, you know, the psychedelic ones are illegal. So it wasn't talking about promoting people to go and start taking mushrooms. But he took us on this journey, especially the fundamental difference between sort of regular doses, micro doses, and then macro doses. And, you know, macro doses, which he pointed out really aren't for the faint hearted. It's, you know, four or five plus grams of of the mushrooms that have the um, the psychedelics in them, and he said that really is a an experience you want to make sure that you go and have with the right practitioners, and the people are going to sort of look after you and nurture you through that experience that might last six or eight hours. Which, on one side of my brain, sounds kind of horrific. On the other, he said it's it's pretty transformational the other side he says you he's done it a number of times and you you connect with a different part of your brain or you experience things in a different way that you can't explain it's just through that chemical reaction in the body that yeah promotes this profound experience and then when he's talking more about sort of whatever a regular dose might be one to two grams and then a micro dose he was saying is normally 10 percent of that so 0.2 grams and what was interesting is that I didn't realize that that's something where they promote you do every sort of second or third day. It's just part of a ritual that you do as part of, say, your morning routine. You would do this, take this, you know, mushroom dose every two to three days. And interesting, he then said, but then, you know, every two or three months you need to have a break. Otherwise, your body starts to build a tolerance to it. So therefore, that doesn't have the same effect. And then you start adding to it. Oh, now you need... 0.4 grams, 0.54, you know you're taking a almost a full dose each time, which can be counterproductive. I don't know if you really grasped what the benefits were or what how it can really help you doing this regular microdosing. Yeah, I was trying to catch on to that where the way you were describing it as well is is really that it was about it being a ritual, really connecting to some of the ancient history of it a while. It was not just about going out to party, having a good time. It was not about that at all. I think he was mentioning a lot of people with anxieties, chronic illnesses. I feel like it's a lot often, and especially the microdosing over a long period of time is used to more like a medicine to alleviate some of those um, yeah, illnesses that people are dealing with. The um, he, he was talking about what was interesting was it sort of opens your heart and mind and gets rid of the ego which i thought was interesting so there's definitely sort of more of a spiritual connection to that so i don't know how it works he talked about the psilocybin's connecting to the serotonin receptors in the brain so i know that i believe sometimes it's used to treat certain ailments like ptsd um, people with depression people with anxiety so um 
it's I think it's becoming more prominent. Uh, it's illegal, like we said. I don't think it's regulated in any way, shape, or form. But he seemed to think it's going to become more mainstream. But when anything becomes more mainstream, then it starts to become, you know, taken advantage of. And then a bit like with the cannabis industry, pharmaceutical companies start manufacturing it, and then the potency goes up. You know, marijuana that was grown just in the wild now is manufactured in a lab to extremely high potency level so he was just pointing out that you need to be a little bit careful and one other thing he touched on is that some for a lot of people the, there's certain compounds in the mushrooms that can upset people's stomachs or be hard to digest so he said there were different ways of neutralizing that a bit like ceviche you can do a lemon tech i think he called it where you can break down some of that harder to digest material in the mushroom through um, you know, bathing it in lemon like a ceviche, mushroom, hallucinative <laughs> ceviche. <laughs> you just invented something new. Yeah, there you go. Oh, I can definitely see that you took a lot of notes because that when you were just talking about it, it was like, oh yeah, that's right, that's right. Because yeah. I, I didn't take any notes during that session. I think for me, it was just such new information. I was just sitting there in awe, just listening, just like, oh, I had no idea. What I just generally reconnected with is, and going back to... The place where we're at as well is medicinal uh, plants and herbs. It's it's a ritual. It's an ancient wisdom that you should use with a lot of respect as well. And it's, it's really ritualizing it. It's not just something that you lightheartedly just take and then take more and more. And like you said, build up such a tolerance that at the end you're just kind of addicted to to this as well. And really understanding that the opening the consciousness, there's a lot of information that you're potentially given that with our normal mind we can't really comprehend and you need to we were talking in the beginning about really allow that that information to to process that information as well because some people were saying okay we tried one thing and now we're doing the other and you're stacking all those things and then you just can't even process your your normal mind just can't really comprehend some of the images that will be told some of the image that you're seeing some of the things information that's given to you yeah, that, that's a really good point. The practitioners, whatever they were talking about, they refer to everything as medicine, whereas sometimes in our world, we refer to things as, you know, recreational drugs or, you know, something that's going to give you some sort of pleasure, whereas for them, it's very, like you said, connected to their ancestry and it's highly respected. And they, yeah, like I said, whether it's something that's going to have an impact on your your mind and body, like a you know a drug like a mushroom or it's a herb it's still for them or cacao to them it's just medicine i love the way that they describe yeah. everything as medicine and medicine it's really the reason i feel like behind all of that is self-discovery just to seeing different layers that with our normal mind and our normal day-to-day -day, we can't we're not really open for it to really see what's more on the inside yeah and it's no. really and it's because the inside is really everything that we need and everything we need to know is on the inside and it's just more that these tools can help you discover that and find that strength in it no it was really good and it was really eye-opening going what you said about me taking notes whenever i am listening to something i i always want to be able to you know challenge it and take my own point of view i don't want to listen to something just take it as verbatim that oh this is the truth and therefore just do what they say or believe what they say. I like to be able to collect their thoughts, their 
expertise and then go and do my own research or go and experiment with it in my own way to understand how it's right for me because that's something else we probably take from a lot of this that there's no one size fits all with any of this everybody's lives are different everybody's constitutions are different everybody's dna is different whatever this modality is that you're trying to use to benefit your life you've got to use it in a way that fits you and your lifestyle and your surroundings and I, I really appreciated Santiago because I think he's back. He's a journalist by trade. That's what he does. He's not a mushroom guy, but he's fascinated by this. And so he does a ton of research, writes papers about it, writes articles about it. So um, he was a fountain of knowledge and really great to connect. And I know you connected with his wife, too, on a, on a different protocol. Yeah, one thing I want to research is uh, I think they are both founders of Casa Earth, which is a platform for slow living and um, sustainability. And they have a podcast as well. So I feel like we would we would really enjoy that. So that's something we should investigate a little bit further. Then getting on to the next piece that we took part in was a gratitude ritual and that was was led by aurora who we did the morning meditation with and this was just this is something we haven't done before we practice gratitude but more in a sense of where you either to yourself call out the things you're grateful for or you journal it but i've never done it in a way where you spend i think we probably were an hour or so spend time consciously in a we talk about it in a kind of three-dimensional way of expressing your expressing your gratitude and it was just such a nice way to make a ritual out of it and so i don't know if you want to say anything else before we dive into that no that's right um we try and take those moments of gratitude whether it's just consciously during the day i've mentioned before that's one way if you're dealing with anxiety is to be grateful for something because your brain can't think of two things at once so if you turn to gratitude it can help with your alleviate anxiety in the moment and i know at home we have this little gratitude bowl where once a week we try and you know write something that's mm -hmm. you know we're grateful for from that week and and we're going to get to the end of the year and recap on those and see what we were grateful for throughout the year so that's normally been about our size of it but this like you said was it was it was guided and three-dimensional yeah, so the to explain a little bit what we've done in that gratitude ritual is we were given a piece of paper. It was kind of a soft pink piece of paper. Probably uh, 11 by 17 or <laughs> A3, that kind of size. Very technical. It, well, I just want to give an idea of the size. Yeah. We'll put a picture up on, on yeah. this. Yeah. Um, and then Aurora and some of her assistants, they went around the room and we were given different seeds and beans um, to represent things in our life, either the good or the bad, to be grateful for. And she started off with white sesame, which is representing the white or the good karma. So we were giving a bowl with white sesame and we could take a handful. And then she said to create something on that page, she said a mandala, but it didn't have to mean it had to be a round piece of whatever art. But it was just more touching the sesame with your finger. You were kind of like, manipulating it on the on the page you were drawing something with that sesame connecting with thinking about the good things in your life the good karma the the white light energy then the next one that she's brought around yeah was it was the, uh the, the there was the black sesame wasn't it so um that almost represented not well, kind of bad karma but things that may you see as negative in your life but she was in, she said it was important to recognize those because 
we all have got to where we are, whatever has happened in our lives. So it was important to recognize that that has been part of our journey. So we interlace that into our mandalas, however we chose to. Yeah, and for me, the nice thing was really to see the kind of fusion with the with the black and the white together to kind of all see this is all part of life and it's all important. It's important to to come together and to accept and appreciate both. And when you sometimes in your head, it's a very com abstract idea. But when you see that in front of you with seeds coming together, it's something that you can connect with and just say, no, it feels harmonious. It's not as the good and the bad together actually create harmony and that creates the balance and one without the other you couldn't really enjoy the good things in life if sometimes times weren't hard because then you have no thing to compare it to no the next piece we were given was um corn corn kernels dried corn and beans dried beans and this was just really generally representing the abundance in our life like the I think she was more connecting it even with the things we have. It was more kind of the materialistic things even. And you were kind of placing with each corn and bean you were placing, you were thinking about the abundance and because we have so much in our life and we sometimes don't stop enough and think about it. But it was just really like consciously placing that into your piece of art and really recognizing the abundance we have. Yeah, it was great. And yeah, you do start to deep think, think deeply and pause for a moment and think, oh yeah, what are all those things that I'm generally appreciative for, which we really, I don't think we do many of us on a day-to-day -day level. We're always, you know, either complaining about things that aren't going well or chasing something in the future and just taking that moment to really connect with, you know, placing those pieces of corn and what it's represented in our lives that we're grateful for was, it was magical. The next bowl that went round was dried cacao beans. Cacao, we mentioned before and will kind of mention again, has a really big place in the Mayan tradition. So the cacao was for the helpful people in our life and the people that we love and that love us back. So we were placing the cacao beans into our piece of art, just really thinking about the, the people in our life. Yeah. Again, that pause, that moment is a bit like when you talk about the Chinese metaphysics or the Bazi, it's those noble men, isn't it? As they describe them in that part of the of the world is the same thing. It's all those people that have helped us get to where we are. And and actually, when we think about people that we don't yet know yet that are going to help us in the future, I think that was important. To I think you're right, because it was the gratitude for the things we had, we have, but also that, that is to come. To and come, I, yeah. I think that's the thing with gratitude is the abundance that's to come is to call that in too, is to really connect with that. And then the last piece, um, it, and I think it was really nice, at this point we've kind of created a artwork and like looking left and right, everyone had something different. Yeah. Like there was different shapes and that's the beauty because it was really like putting you on on paper in a different way than just drawing in this case and then we were adding the so we had this kind of piece of art we were adding the she called it the spice of life so we were adding cinnamon and flowers were the last element do you remember the flowers being for anything different because no. i thought the cinnamon was like adding the the spice and um yeah i think it was like adding the spice of life to it, it spice yeah spice maybe beauty you know through the flowers and it was just a nice way to finish it off and talking about the shapes <clears throat> i know when we put a picture of yours you yours was like perfectly centered on your page i started mine in one corner and 
it was interesting because as I developed my mind actually went off the page and onto the floor and I kind of went outside I colored outside the lines as we would say as a kid but actually it represented me in a way because I was like I don't want to be constrained by that page it's like how I think of things a little bit I want to be able to just be free and not say I have to fit within this box so it was kind of interesting how mind developed where well, you were abundantly thinking about expanding your that's right radius yeah <laughs> And then at the end, uh, the idea was that we were going to, we then took them, folded everything into the middle into almost like a little paper tamale. And it was going to be something that would give us an offering, which, which was really nice. And then coincidentally, that on the property, somebody had pointed out that it was, you could, we walked past every day, but there was this little set of steps that went down into an underground cave. And there was a little uh, altar there next to a mini sonorte with a candle on it. And they talked about it was a place to give an offering back to the, the jungle or the place in a way. So we thought for us that was, that was perfect. So we folded our little gratitude tamales up and, and went and placed <laughs> gratitude them. Gratitude tamales. <laughs> I like the, the words you're, you're inventing today. <laughs> and then um, went and put them on the altar. So that was a really nice moment to, to connect back to, the, to that experience and then this place that we were experiencing again in. yeah getting back to that last moment where everyone had these beautiful creations in front of them there was really one other important teaching which is the acceptance for of impermanence because aurora was saying i know well actually the idea was to see this beautiful thing in front of you and to let go and fold it all up and have it all kind of come together again and it was and it was gone is just to accept that things don't last forever, which is, and sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. We want things to last forever if they're good. But she was saying, oh, I know we live in this world now of not just being mental pictures being enough, that we need to actually take pictures. So she allowed everyone a moment of taking a picture. Of course, I rushed to my phone to get a picture. Now that I think back, sometimes I feel like maybe it's even stronger the teaching is a bit stronger when you actually don't take that picture and you do just keep it in your mind. So I feel like the next time I would do something like that, I probably would sustain from taking the actual picture and just really living with that memory and that thought and really the acceptance of impermanence of saying, yeah, I've created something beautiful, something meaningful, but it's also to say nothing lasts forever ultimately and accepting that we just have to let go even of the most beautiful things. So then wrapping up the package mm -hmm. and <laughs> letting it go. <laughs> so that, that was good. a good teaching for me already. It was. Um, so this this was um, in terms of our, yeah, in terms of the things we did, that was our day one. So this was, was all day, day one. one. We, yeah, we finished over the beautiful dinner. Actually, we met uh, Margaret, who we'd coincidentally met for the first time at the Global Wellness Summit in Miami a few weeks before. So pure coincidence, she was there with her cousin, Robin, so we had a beautiful meal with those two that evening and yeah, went to bed content, uh, slept with the door open, listening to the ocean all night and the wind coming through. It was just, it was just a perfect first day. It, and then, yeah, yeah, it was. And then woke up to day two, um, our first uh, event on day two after breakfast was with Kimberly Schneider again, where she was doing Cornerstone 2, which she was talking about the body. Um, same, actually different location. Well, very similar. It was just in a different beachside tent, but uh, yeah, great. Same concept. We all gathered around. One thing we didn't mention before is that 
each day with us, she did a little five minute heart meditation, which I think was really important. She talks a lot about meditation being very inward and not necessarily being all the way this external or going off on a journey or whatever it may be. It was her for her. It's very much about connecting to the you and on the inside. And um, hers was very much about breathing in and out the heart and having a going back to the um, gratitude we, uh, event we just talked about ritual was she talks about finding that moment of gratitude inside you and holding on to that and being able to relive it and uh, she's been working with some scientists around that and how they can actually measure people's heart amplitude and how I've after doing this for four weeks it actually had a 30% benefit to how um, their body responded to doing this so it was really interesting when there's science backing this up but yeah it was really interesting to think about breathing in and out the heart and sort of experience that internally yeah i'm glad you mentioned that because every cornerstone was centered around a meditation as well and like you were mentioning the second cornerstone the body is like to get in your body and you feel your body that heart meditation just really made you think for a moment and like appreciate your body as well and feeling your body because then we can make much better choices in context of our body like the foods we eat that we exercise that our sleep is right and these are kind of all the dimensions that we touched on throughout the podcast in the kind of physical uh, pillar and the other thing or with the heart meditation she was talking about the feeling of appreciation as well and I think that was really nice and I can't remember exactly how she worded but she said it was a mixture of awe and beauty so it's a different way than just gratitude she was just appreciation i really connected with because mm -hmm. really like feeling that appreciation in your heart and then generally from a kind of more technical point we were talking about optimizing digestion um like i mentioned importance of sleep and being conscious about your body and being in your body and often the first two kind of cornerstones she has food and body it's something that's a little bit more tangible to us and like talking about the physical dimension as well as something we can relate a little bit more to and sometimes we can be quite in control of our diet and exercise and and body in a way and then the other cornerstones we're going to elaborate on is something a little bit more a little bit harder maybe to um to associate with on a day-to-day -day basis but all four of them are important for a true holistic lifestyle and well-being yeah she yeah, the, the, from those first two days, the big thing that came to me was consistency and rhythm. And we think about sort of rhythms of energies of the sea or of the, you know, the sun and the moon. Eating at regular times, going to sleep at the same time, exercising at the same time, you know, your digestional functions at the same time. You just, like she said, keeping your body in balance through the external forces that we use or influence our bodies with is was really important to her and it makes a lot of sense and she did talk about yeah exercising in the morning you know we, we really warm up your body getting hot and heated not so much at the end of the day when you're you know you're trying to you pacify you're trying to wind down for the, the evening working out so yeah it just made a lot of sense and I, I appreciated that and I think it's something we do reasonably well um Typically when people or us as well go off track is at the weekend, it's like you tend to stay up later and get up later and or you stay up later and get up at the same time and therefore you've cut, you know, two or three hours out of your sleep. So it's maintaining it even at the weekends and doing it most of the time. We talk about the 80-20 rule in 
sort of health and wellness and doing things 80% of the time is going to get you in a pretty good spot. Yeah, it's a good point you mentioned because we've heard it a lot before that it's really good to keep your schedule throughout the weekend and not see the weekend as that kind of release point. And it's it's not easy, but to really keep your rhythms in there and just stay in a routine is much better for your body than having these spikes. I think especially when it comes to food, often it's say, oh, it's the weekend. We kind of allow ourselves more to drink or eat and it's just often we're really kind of destroying a little bit in those two days, the five days that we've done something really good. So yeah. it's oh, it's a good reminder. That was good. It was a good conversation. We enjoyed yeah. that. And then you went on to do um, a healing plant Yeah, the session. next plant was called um, Healing Energy of Plants. Just briefly talking about the next venue. So on the property, they had this beautiful little greenhouse that was built that they had different types of herbs and pots, um, a ton of beautiful bonsai trees. It was one of the largest kind of bonsai trees that I've really seen. So it's really nice to kind of see that collection. And makes me think of, it, there was like this ritual with my dad I used to do is every month or so, I think there was a little show coming into town about bonsai trees. And it was just, it, I really forgot about it, but as a kid, I was really obsessed with bonsai trees. So it was really nice, nice connection for me to see that. So in that greenhouse, um, there was a table set up with dried herbs and the class was led by Valeria. And Valeria is Santiago's wife, who we mentioned before, who was talking about the microdosing. Um, and Valeria is interesting, her story. So she said she's coming from a banking background. And I think about nine years ago, she was just saying like, that's not really the life, the consciousness I wanna live. So she gave that up and she created a platform um, called Water Through Skin. And this is like a platform that has like tools and information about sustainable living. And she was really talking about the art of slow living that she found for herself. And for me, that was just such a nice moment in a greenhouse in Mexico, <laughs> thinking about the, the possibility of slow living, slower pace, just really connecting with what's important for us. And it was just a, a kind of a moment that I really kind of took with me. She's a herbalist as well. So she was really talking about the medicinal quality of a lot of herbs. She was talking about the spirit in the herbs, the, the way she um, grows herbs, picks them, plants them, sorry, dries them. She was talking about you can take just a new normal food dehydrator, which I'm really excited about to try, and dry the herbs. So we had, um, and then the goal of the class was this at the, at a, as, as a community, we were using those different dried herbs, putting them together in a bowl with intention in the mixture. We added uh, sacred copal that's known to the area, which is a resin from a tree. It has a really kind of smoky flavor when it's burned. And we created these little smudge, this smudge mixture that everyone was um, able to take away uh, home afterwards. Yeah. You take that smudge mixture and then put it on a piece of hot coal and then it burns and it's kind of that smoke of the of the plants. And when you kind of think about the the plants that we put in, so we used roses, for example, which is to connect with yourself, to calm the nervous system. Lavender, which is to open the third eye chakra. We all know lavender is calming. Rosemary <clears throat> is to protect from from certain energies white sage that's really known as kind of a cleansing energy fennel ground it was grounding and then cinnamon so cinnamon is really used in ritual for abundance <clears throat> excuse me and one thing i learned is 
there's a difference between Cylon cinnamon, which is used for cooking, and then is cassia, which is used for rituals. It's like a little bit more of a potent, strong, stronger smell. And that's the cinnamon that's really much better for burning. Mm. So that was, that was just, all in all, was such a nice class to connect with something as simple as herbs that we all can grow ourselves. We actually did a little, almost a little meditation to connect with the plants and feel the energy before we went on to using the dry plants and creating that mixture. So that, yeah, I really enjoyed that. It was a good... Yeah, I, I didn't do that with you, but I, I know you came back kind of inspired and it was that, that, that deeper connection with nature. You're in nature connecting with nature. So I think that was fascinating for you. And I know listening to your stories about it, um, yeah, it was, it was really great. And it's kind of inspired us more to kind of grow additional herbs in our herb box at home and, and dry yeah. them, like you said. Fortunately, we live in Arizona, so we don't necessarily need a dehydrator. <laughs> <laughs> no, can just leave them out on leave the, them outside. On the outside. And then we went on the next one. This was this was profound and challenging at the same time. It was called The Purpose of the Human Being. It was very philosophical. Uh, philosophical, philosophical. What am I trying to say? <laughs> Philosophical. Philosophical. Okay. Um, Boulder Nazarene led it. And he just sort of started off this talk by sort of, you know, what what are we? What are human beings? What's our purpose? Why are we here? Um, he just kind of just put it, kept putting this question out like it was something along the lines of, you know, does, life goes on without us, whether we're here or not, or whatever we do or not. Life will just continue. So... He was almost saying this, what's our point of being here? And it just, for me, it created so many more questions and answers. And when you stop and think about these things in this kind of profound way, you kind of, on one side can freak you out, but other times it just makes you stop and think. And I think what I got to at the end, by the end of it was just like, well, whether we, whether we need to be here or not, whether life would continue without us or not, is just we do have a choice about how we exist in this world and how we are around each other and communicate with each other and support and help each other and, and can make a, an impact while we're here on other people's lives. So I thought that was great. And then what he actually did, he put everybody in a circle, didn't he, and made us close our eyes and just kind of wander our finger back and forward. And then he said, stop. And then whoever you ended up pointing at, you had to... I think he made us kind of read them and he asked us to explain what we see in that person. That person was just sitting there in silence looking at us. So the big takeaway for me was that everybody in the room embraced it and just went with it and there was no apprehension. And we were discussing afterwards whether a lot of what we were saying, was it what we were really seeing in them or was it a reflection of something inside of us? So it was a really interesting exercise that we all went to and like I said, it was profound, created a lot of questions, but also created a lot of connections. We connected with a lot of people in that room that maintained both during the rest of our stay and now beyond. So it was a really good way of bringing people together. Yeah, I, I thought it was really fascinating um, connecting to what you were saying before. It's, again, that understanding of that ripple effect that ultimately, if we believe it or not, if we think about it or not, is we are all connected, like worldwide globally with the universe we're all connected so whatever we're doing it has such a ripple effect and we spoke about that before as well so our thoughts our actions 
it matters. It matters to more than just us. It matters to more than just the person in front of us. It's got a much bigger impact. So just remembering that, I think, on a day-to-day -day basis is, is a good thing. No, it really is. And then we finished the day. We went and did an underwater floating meditation, which again, before we went, I didn't quite know what that meant. Did it mean we're like scuba diving? Or we, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't know. Um, but in essence, what it was that we all went into these pools and they had speakers under the water that were connected to a piano and a microphone. And we had a guided meditation led by Murray Hindari. And we laid on our backs with just basic float, float those float noodles that you get in your swimming pool, one under the knees and one under the armpits. And we just laid back with our, basically our head submerged, obviously nose and mouth out of the water lying on our backs and with our ears underwater and it was a guided meditation of music and voice which was interesting and it was live piano yeah it was live piano which was really cool. cool and it was just really amplified the way the water carried the sounds and the music and the voice through the water it was just a completely different experience and well what was interesting is that there were two pools he said one's warmer and colder than the other so he said some people might get cold because we're going to be lying there for 45 minutes or an hour and the pool that i or that we initially got into there was probably 15 people in it when we started by the end of it i hadn't opened my eyes through the whole experience i got up and opened my eyes at the end of the thing there were two people left so everybody had got up and left around me and i hadn't even noticed <laughs> no, it so, wasn't you and me because i, I left into I the warmer pool i know <laughs> But it was just funny how you can go into these deep moments and not realize that. I, at one point, I was surrounded by, you know, 15 people like a sardine in a sardine can to them being left with just two of us. So it was clearly I connected it with it on a deep level. Yeah, it was, it was really interesting because it was a little challenging for me because I keep talking about how much I love meditation and connect to meditation. But just doing that meditation with your ears underwater and then your eyes closed was such a different sensation that it really took me a while to get into that meditative state and to really relax i was very conscious about that feeling of having water in my ears so it's just it's just something that re didn't really gel with me once i relaxed once i actually got into the warmer pool and didn't shiver anymore and i could relax a little bit more and i felt like i got a little bit more of the sense of this but it took me a little while to really take the benefits but once i relaxed it was just this really beautiful way of being weightless and floating in the water and then knowing that is the life hearing the live piano was the really cool experience no so really that, was. yeah so i definitely tried again now knowing what to expect i think i could probably benefit from it next time a little more that's great and then in the evening there was a group so it was kind of a group dinner they did a beautiful setup where they had loads of different food stalls everybody from the wanderlust group was invited they had taco stands they had a dessert stand they had you know everything it was uh, you know fresh uh, grilled corn it was it was really magical and live dj with live music and the highlight of the evening at that part was all of the the um display that came out with all the practitioners wearing their traditional mayan costumes representing all the different gods or any animal spirits that they um use in their in their culture and they did these amazing dances and they really were amazingly in character it didn't feel kind of cheesy touristy it felt really connected to their roots and their ancestry and what they use in their culture so that was that was definitely the highlight and some of the headdresses and 
costumes they had were phenomenal. Yeah, like you're saying, that was my highlight too, is that embodiment of the kind of animal spirit and character. That was just really fascinating to see. And then the communal aspect, because that was the evening where we all came together as a community, like all the participants of Wanderlust. And it was just really nice because you were sharing like your experiences with people. So that it just really felt like a, a community in that community aspect. And then from there, we went on and did great sort of on the beach jungle transition. We did uh, they've got a great DJ stage set up with um, just this area for sort of dancing and live music. And the Gypsy Wolf put on a great DJ set for probably about an hour and a half. And we all went off and sort of danced in the sand and on on those rugs that they had set up. And yeah. Sorry. No. Go ahead. You go. That's an that's a experience for me because we're still in this phase of not drinking alcohol. For me, to get on the dance floor always required alcohol. To not need that anymore and just be free just to dance away and express yourself without the need to that Dutch courage of alcohol is is it's an interesting and new experience for me that I'm I'm pleased I'm over that hurdle. No, it was good. Yeah. Um, I think you had some really good dance moves, <laughs> <laughs> sober moves. I really enjoyed it too. Um, the um, title was called Life Ecstatic Dance Party. And I feel like we spoke about in one of the pillars about ecstatic or expressional dance being really used in wellness resorts as a therapy as well. And I can, I mean, music is really known as a therapy. To me, dance really is a therapy. And when we think about the ancient kind of rituals like every culture has a ritual of dance as part of their tradition and it really it moves energies it has such a power and what was interesting as well the what we kind of call dj the he was called actually the gypsy wolf and his description is conscious experience creator and it's interesting because it's just the way he puts the music together is just really a way where you move your body differently you think or don't think and it's just really creating an experience in itself than just i'm going out on the dance floor dancing to one of the dj songs so i think that was just really nice um, i was researching afterwards a little bit and he actually created something called sundance and moon dance um, and it's one of the really prominent platforms on ecstatic dance so mm. that's going to be something else i want to research a little bit into afterwards no, it was great. It was, you know, perfect weather, perfect temperature, just a great group of people. And it was a nice way to cap off day two. And yeah. Went like back to the room, content and fulfilled and very happy and excited about day three. Yeah. So day two was the halfway point. Yeah. Um, now when I think about it and go through all of this, and we said we didn't cram too much, and but what we've done was already a lot. It was a lot. So yeah. it's just really a lot of different experiences. So day three, I started off with a yoga class and the really interesting for me apart from the yoga which was led by olga which was beautiful is the, the location there was this platform that was built in the middle of the jungle and like i mentioned before palma house of aya they the concept was really about not destroying landscape the jungle so the platform was built around any single tree that was already in that environment so every tree poked through the platform and it wasn't about, oh, someone might take someone's mat space away or you can't stretch your leg in yoga when you do it there. It's, it has such a power that you were respecting nature and it was built in nature, with nature, for nature. So there was such a different experience just been, being in a plank room. Um, so I really enjoy that. And it's just, the, I mean, you had the 
the jungle, the palm trees. Uh, in some classes, I didn't experience this, but some people were reporting they had the monkeys um, juggling around them during <laughs> the class. That cool. So that was just really cool scenario, setting. Yeah, actually, I went for breakfast during that time, and part of it was because I was deeply trying to dive into the book that I was reading, which was The Diary of the CEO by Stephen Bartlett, which is his 33 Rules of Business and Life. And I really wanted to capture that. That was kind of my in-between as well, between the classes, was taking the time to read that and absorb that during that trip. I really wanted to get through the book and complete it on that trip. So I was taking those times in-between classes to to read a lot of that. So that that was a great moment of sort of pause for me around breakfast. And then we went off and did Cornerstone 3 with Kimberly Schneider, which was around emotional well-being. Great so, talk. Yeah, so that was her third cornerstone. So it was kind of broadly around community, mental health, um, self-reflection and journaling and stress management. And emotional well-being, we said before, the first two cornerstones she spoke about, food and body, is often something that we can, it's more tangible, that we can have a little bit more, let's say, in control um, but our emotional well-being sometimes can be all over the place. And if that's the case, it doesn't matter how good you eat and if you exercise, because that can throw off everything. Um, what was interesting, what she was saying, and I heard it before, but it was nice to hear, is she explained emotions are energy in motion. And that's just a nice way to connect with it, because sometimes when you have a certain emotion rising up, and you think about it, wow, that is actually just energy in motion. It's nothing worse than that it's just something that i can that throw flow through me and i don't want to say control control is not quite the right way when it comes to emotions but it's just knowing that is something that doesn't just have to completely take over it's just an energy that's moving the other thing she was talking about is the negative effect of anger and she was saying she did um like research on that. And she said five minutes of anger can shift our hormones afterwards for six hours. And when you think about that, you're easily angry for five minutes if something upsets you. In six hours, your hormones are all over the place. And I mean, think about eating well, exercising, being being in a good state when our hormones, we, I mean, male or female, we all know what it means when our hormones are off balance. Six hours for five minutes. I'd rather not be angry for five minutes. Yeah. So I thought it was a, it's just nice sometimes with a kind of scientific way of explaining things to yeah bring that to mind. Yeah, it's that ripple effect is how it's going to affect you for the rest of the day. It's how it's going to affect those around you. Then when it affects those around you, how does it affect those around them? It's just this ongoing ripple that can we talked about it in one of our pillars around emotional well-being, that ripple effect of you getting, say, angry driving to work, honking a bit of road rage. It then affects that person that you let that on, that then they might take that out on somebody else. And before you know it, your moment of anger or rage is then create this ripple effect through the day that, you know, you know, you got no idea where that's led to or what impact it could have on the environment around you. So, yeah, just being conscious of that is important, really important. I mean, she also mentioned that two minutes of irritation throws off 1500 biochemicals in your body. And when you think about that, it's kind of it disrupts your immune system. It just disrupts your um, endocrine system. So, again, two minutes irritation, even easier done than five minutes of anger. Yeah. And then when I try and evaluate, I, 
you know, when you say five minutes and six hours affects your hormones or these biochemical releases, sometimes you can get things like, oh, what does that really mean? And that is the science. And it can get a bit kind of too much out there if I try and think about putting that back just to real life. All that comes back to me is just having a consciousness myself around my emotions and my anger and just trying to be mindful of that and the impact it can have on myself and others around me. Um, yeah, it's, it was it was a good talk and so important because when we think about emotional well-being and tie it back to, like you said, physical or the body or the sleep, how it can disrupt that. And then we may see somebody who's in perfect physical shape and we think they've got everything together, but actually their obsession with being in physical, perfect physical shape might actually be an emotional unbalance is actually an obsession for them and it's not very well maintained in balance in their life so it's it's so important to deal with your emotional well-being to get everything else in in check too and one good question i think in the audience that came up too because we often talk about what do we do when these emotions arise and we all know that we don't want to just push them away or push them down because ultimately they are come up eventually and what Kimberly was describing was, and we mentioned before that she was always connecting um, her cornerstones to meditations. And we did a heart meditation. She was saying just even taking a moment with that emotion that's coming up, that bad emotion, and connecting or focusing on your heart and guiding your breath through the heart and start breathing through the heart is such an easy way to just disconnect and disrupt that negative emotion at that moment and connect to being in your body and especially with your heart and then once you've broken that cycle you can then connect to more that appreciation and awe for life and transfer that back negative emotion into a positive one yeah and i think that's a it's nice because everything that she said she had very practical kind of advice and tips and that's why i really loved her latest book as well on that because it's it's something that is useful no it really was really was it was it was a great discussion so then you went off and i know this was exciting for you because you added this in was the um the boho hat customization or <laughs> yeah. workshop i mean i love hats and then if it's connected with something spiritual it's even better so this is a class i wasn't really aware of so i kind of um slid myself in there and it was led by um analia she's originally a yoga teacher, quartz healer, Reiki master, but also a hat maker. So she really found a way to connect her kind of spiritual gifts and lessons through hats. She makes beautiful hats that have spirituality and intention in them that she sells. In this case, we did a class where she brought some of her hats in and we were then decorating the hats. So the way we did that is we did a beginning and a meditation to really kind of center ourselves and call in something that we felt like we wanted to put into the hat. So when we're wearing it, we're connecting with it. If it was a spiritual a spirit animal, um, a certain crystal, a quartz. So she had these beautiful pieces that she laid out on the table. And she collaborates with a lot of artisans in Mexico and helps them kind of make a living as well, which was a nice another aspect. And it wasn't about getting everything that's on the table possible on your head. It wasn't about consumption. It wasn't about wanting everything. It was more about connecting with what is the message? What is it what I need that I add to the head as a memory? And it was more of a symbol than a material kind of purchase in a way, which I think was really interesting. And 
we after we did the meditation, we then reached for, I mean, I think mine had a snake and a mother of pearl on it and a, a beautiful feather. And this is like really a kind of a takeaway and a token for me to remind myself of the event of of that particular head making class of connecting with my kind of spirit animal as well. Um, and it was just really nice to do that in a little community. Yeah, it was a great combination of something I love, <laughs> fashion and yeah, hats, and then was, just the more conscious um, thought around it. Yeah, it was right up the street, and you created a beautiful hat and made a great connection with the practitioner. So that was it was marvelous. Then to finish the day, we went and did what was one of the highlights for me was the cacao ceremony again on one of those beautiful yoga decks in the middle of the jungle. Great community of people. Um, it was led by Veronica Ocampo, who was one of the architects of life there. I really connected with her. I felt like she had a deep connection to her ancestry, the traditional medicines that they use throughout their culture. There were two musicians with her that were singing, playing drums and the guitar. And she just led this beautiful ceremony around cacao. We've done cacao ceremonies before. This environment elevated that to a whole new level. She was talking a lot about, you know, releasing things to the fire. So the fire played a big role in it. Everybody was able to take a cacao seed or pod and throw it into the fire and release something that we wanted to. And then she asked us to set an intention for the cacao when she gave us the cacao and blow it into it. So we blew our intention into it and then drank it, which I thought was really interesting. So she talked about strength power and humility which i think is a really nice balance in life that really resonated with me because it's really important to you know have an impact in the world be a you know a pillar of strength move forward have power make a difference but just do all of that with a sense of humility so i deeply resonated with that and i found the whole whole experience profound similar to what i'd experienced during the cacao ceremony before it definitely followed some of the same rituals that we had done and they often take you on a journey back to your childhood and she she led us on this journey where she talked about us going back to a you know finding a tree out in the countryside where we grew up and seeing ourselves there as a young child and seeing ourselves playing at the base of that tree and then having that interaction with ourselves as a three or four year old and basically loving ourselves back then as we are now and i did that before when we did it here in scottsdale and i did it again and it's it's a really interesting connection and journey that you go through when you go and interact with yourself when you were three or four years old so i really enjoyed that yeah and one of the benefits uh with cacao is as well that we know it of as being a heart opener and i think that's one of the key reasons as well why it's a little bit easier to kind of have that journey going back into your childhood and kind of like opening up to to that experience what was interesting too is that some of the participants um, I mean our eyes were close at that point but you could hear when it came to that childhood memory and to giving love to that child as a few of the participants actually started kind of crying so you could see there's a lot of people struggling with childhood drama, trauma and kind of missing that love in your childhood as well so it's a really nice way through a ceremony like that and using something as simple as cacao helping with that energy and that bringing that love and that heart energy into you yeah no it was, it was magical and the way it was done and set up and led and 
deep connection done very well. I, I really enjoyed that. That was one of the highlights for me. Yeah. I mean, the setting was, was incredible. And I'm just thinking about it. The I think the reason why these ancient rituals become so much more sought after now is that there's so much like healing and yeah, just really healing needed in the world and reconfiguring and, and readjusting, grounding, rebalancing. And it's just really going back to the roots of understanding that these rituals were all there as a healing tool. It's just we kind of like lost connection to that. But now we're connecting with that to, yeah, to really heal from almost the damage we've kind of done to mm -hmm. ourselves in the world. No, it was great. And then we finished the day. We had another beautiful dinner. Um, at one of the restaurants and then there was another evening of dancing so there was a whole dj set again which was great at the previous location where we just went wild there was um fluorescent face painting that a lot of the people had put on that showed up in the black lights and then it transitioned to late at night 10 o'clock i think was out really out on the beach where they had created this little setup and it was a silent disco so everybody got headphones just so we didn't disturb the sleeping guests and they what was really interesting is they had three djs all playing different kinds of musics and you could flip on your headphones between the three different djs and depending what dj you were listening to your headphones lit up in a different color so you could look around a at the dj color but also what other um what other guests and people there were listening to and it was really interesting to see some people just kind of floating around listening to one type of music and then other people sort of dancing more energetically listening to another and that, that was a great experience too right on the beach ocean crashing in and it was just unique and really enjoyable yeah I mean, that was a new experience for me with the silent disco is that you are we almost had this little community without communicating but just the light color what music you were listening to and the way you move your body to that music was kind of really connecting you other than just being in your own side or under headphones yeah i i really enjoyed it and then day four day four sunday for us that was the final day and it was really kind of a half day it wasn't as packed and we actually didn't initially have that much in our schedule for that day. Um, we, but we managed to, I think, benefit from other people who have left early that a lot of spaces opened up. So we started day four with a nervous system reset sound bath with uh, Natalie Vale or Valley. And it was a beautiful sound bath experience. She led it very well. Um, it was interesting she came around with a tuning fork didn't she and she she put that on each of our heads and on our chests and that was something new that we hadn't experienced before we'd done a lot of sound baths so that added a new dimension to it for us yeah what's nice the title of this um, sound healing was called nervous system reset sound bath and natalie um she's based in los angeles we spoke to her afterwards as well a really beautiful soul as well she was saying about that she uh, created that class for integration. It was just really about being able to integrate and process all the experiences that we had. So that was just a really nice way on the last day to make sure that you kind of process everything we, we experienced. It was interesting talking to her afterwards because <clears throat> we've done quite a few of these. I don't know, maybe I'm just saying 10, probably 10 soundbars, something like that for me personally. And on 
generally they're incredible experiences on a couple of occasions i felt pretty awful afterwards so i asked her about that and she did say it really depends sometimes on the decibel volume that the practitioner using if they if they go too loud either with the sound bowls or the gong it can actually get your flight or fight system activated so you can go into that response during it so therefore it's not actually that pleasurable experience so she said it's really important to connect with people that you know that their way of delivering that sound bath it resonates with you know each person's constitution oh we went to cornerstone four which was the final one with kimberly so that was the last one that was all around spiritual growth yes yeah, so spiritual growth like you mentioned the fourth cornerstone because it was food body emotional well-being and spiritual growth um, and spiritual growth for her was just we were talking about um stillness aligning with nature connecting with ourselves and finding our purpose. And on that note, I kind of want to touch on, I mentioned her book, You More Than You Think You Are, that I recently read. Is I'm that sorry, a, how would you summarize that book? That book, it's, <clears throat> um, I would say it's a lot about, um, I think Yogananda is like a, is the Indian teacher that she learned a lot of the wisdom from and that she was researching and reading. It's a, I would say, like a spiritual, practical self-help book. Um, it's really understanding a lot of the layers that we have, the beliefs and mindsets that we have that we need to kind of let go of to understand and discover our true self. And it's really about the inwards power. It's not looking for external things to help you along the journey. When we talk about all of those wellness experiences, often as we look too much on the outside for us to help us something. I think these modalities can help us to awaken something, but it really is more the turning inward. And she's talking about the power of meditation, of daily meditation. And she's talking about that ultimately in life, our purpose is really to be here to serve others. But it's finding your unique way and your unique purpose in doing that. And she's got a nice little kind of a couple of questions to journal on in her book is to really understand what makes you unique what's your unique way of doing it what's your uniqueness you bring to that serving purpose and i think that's just such a nice way because when you connect with that then no one else can do what you're doing and you really bring it from your own essence and that's when it really has power to help other people so that for me just connecting to your own true purpose and understanding your inner strength that to me is really powerful and like i was saying earlier with her talks and even in the book it's it's very hands-on, it's very practical, and it makes so much sense that you kind of just want to implement it. I think that's the key, isn't it? Is making, we can read things and we can digest things, but it's really how does it, how, how is it relative to, you know, a broad pe a group of people in their daily lives that, you know, they're not, we're not sitting in a beautiful resort in the middle of Mexico. We're dealing with the stresses and strains of, you know, traffic in LA or, picking the kids up from school or somebody's sick you know it's really about how you integrate that in just normal everyday day-to-day -day life and, that, and that's great to hear so from there and this is really interesting like we said on the last day we did actually add more things in but they it they weren't planned but they seemed to for me to be perfect timing everything was just right on the last day they all came together um we went uh, with the gypsy wolf we went on that liminal journey where we did this deep meditation where he took us it was almost like an out-of-body experience wasn't it where we went all the way through he took us through 
the cosmos and through space and to this interesting journey. Yeah, I think we actually started with um, connecting to the Earth's heart. And what was interesting to me is I've done a lot of kind of grounding meditations before, but sometimes, especially because we were on the second floor in that beautiful um, room that was created at Palmaya, sometimes I have the difficulty of thinking like, okay, how do I connect my roots to the ground if I'm on that second floor? Like, how do I visually or like feeling? But he literally went through the layers of the building and he was talking about the, the floor we're going through, the concrete, the the sand, the gravel, and then to the earth crust and all the layers, the underground rivers. And then really, that really helped me. And I don't know if it's because it was so descriptive that it helped me more with that, but it's really then connecting and landing at the heart of the earth. And it was just it's such an abstract con concept, really, but you somehow feel something that you feel like you're at the heart of the earth and connecting with that energy. And then he equally took us all the way up and he kind of zoomed out us floating into the the sky the universe and then it was almost beyond the universe where we ended up at this what he called like the a wide window that we opened and you ended up in this white space there was this clean clear white space and i think the the whole um uh, class was called liminal journey so it's like I think I was reading about what that actually meant. It's like that uncertain transition between where you've been and where you're going, like physically, emotionally, or, men or mentally. And it's, it really was that in-between space. It's like we were in the room, but in our minds, we had we traveled and we were in that white space that he created for us, that you were almost on that transition point of not really between reality and between a different world. And I think that was, that was like one of the first meditations that I've or sound meditations that have done that way because he he used sounds as well to support that journey yeah it was it was really another was kind of profound wasn't it? it it really was an interesting journey and sometimes i think you can think about being sucked into the universe or out into the ether as being kind of unnerving but it was actually enlightening this kind of journey we were flying around the universe in these planets and it kind of sounds wacky on one level but he somehow really managed to take us there through his words and the music and it became very vivid and then coming back down to earth literally um yeah it was it was really interesting experience and, and one that i took a lot from yeah i really enjoyed it yeah the nice way how he was closing out the ceremony too is because it was his voice his music and he said to finish this as a community he wanted our voice to be in it so he kind of went around the room and everyone was saying one word that was just coming to you at that point. Um, a lot of people had gratitude and mine was connection. Mm -hmm. And it was just really, um, for me, I felt a lot of connection. Yeah, I think mine was energized. I felt it just really energized me, yeah. It was, yeah, it was great. And then we- Last but not we, least. We squeezed in would be the wrong word, but we were actually gonna leave before, but then we saw that there was an opportunity to take this last class, which was this transmutational ritual. And it was led by uh, Veronica Ocampo, who had done the cacao ceremony with us the night before. That really made us say, no, let's stay around because she, I really felt connected to her and what she delivered. And she did this beautiful ceremony for us was a cleansing ritual with herbs. So it was kind of a nice way to end the w week there and remind me again we used basil or basil, basil. and uh, and rue rue yeah. which i'd never heard of before but she had this and for her again 
herbs is medicine. That's how they see everything. So we did this ritual with the herbs where we all took a large bunch of these herbs and she asked us to put something in the herbs that we wanted to get rid of. So that was the whole idea that we would expel this negative energy or limiting belief or whatever it may be and put it into the herbs and then we all threw them on the ground. And she then did this ceremony with us where we kind of expelled that from from all of us. And what I think what was really nice, apart from the connection with her and how beautifully she did everything, we happened to end up with a small intimate group of people, where, which were mainly the people that we had connected with during the four days so it was just kind of serendipitous how it all came together on the last day i'm trying to remember as because i think before we released the herbs we tapped the herbs all over our body too i think it was sort of releasing like a, any sort yeah, of yeah it was physical like a cleansing ritual wasn't it we yeah. went washed washed our body in these herbs basically and, the herbs, yeah. and then put one thing into them and then tossed them on the floor and then she took them and and did her magic yeah. I remember when she first gave us the herbs, I think she asked us to like put them on our heart and like connect with them. And what was really crazy for me is that, and I couldn't in the beginning decipher between my heartbeat or if I was feeling the heartbeat of the herbs, but I literally felt like there was a pulsation energy coming from the herbs. And I'm just gonna take it that it was the heartbeat of the herbs because <laughs> I just rather connect with that idea. But it was really, um, yeah, just, again understanding the the power of plant medicine as well and the appreciation for for plants and there is another energy in there that is there to heal us too yeah and a bit like the cacao ceremony <clears throat> she took us on a journey where we would walk out in nature wherever that may be somewhere in our childhood somewhere now and then connect to a large tree and it was a lot about our ancestors being there around the tree but then also a spirit animal that we were connecting with so that was really interesting to find that spirit animal and then at the end of the class for us to go she wanted everyone to go around and you know talk about our experiences and what spirit animal we connected with and kind of share that experience so that was cool as well just it was the perfect little bow on the end of the week. Yeah, it really was, because that was our that was our last session. Yeah, and last at Wanderlust. You know, when we think about our podcast, how we're trying to connect, you know, the built environment to support people on their wellness journeys. This was the perfect environment for that. Obviously, it helps. It's a beautiful setting. It's fairly exclusive. It's on the Caribbean Sea in Mexico. You got amazing views. You're connected to the jungle. You're in a beautiful property. Amazing service. Great practitioners. Healthy foods. All inclusive. Um, it ticks a lot of boxes, and that's for a lot of people. That's a once in a lifetime opportunity. Other people, they might do something like that once a year, maybe twice a year. Um, but it can be profound if you go and take it in. Can be transformative if you absorb it take it in the right way use it as a learning skill set tools and embrace yourself to the environment and then we talk about like how do we then bring back that to our daily lives and building communities back in our hometowns or cities that can help continue and facilitate that journey and then even in our own homes as well what what can we integrate into our homes that can allow us to continue some of those journeys yeah and i think with we really ex experience the power of ritual. And I think there's nothing more powerful to go to the 
place where the wisdom originates from and to really do it with a practitioner that has that ancient wish wisdom that's passed down through generations. There is definitely something we can take away from creating those rituals. And I rather want to say not routines and rituals because I think rituals is more powerful into our daily life. What really sparked for me as well as in the profession we're doing with design is thinking about the structures. Sometimes they can be very simple, sometimes more complex that can facilitate those experiences, those rituals. The one room that we did a lot of the sound meditations, for example, it was a very cleverly acoustically designed room. It was an indoor space. Um, but that's definitely something that is a takeaway for us to think about when we provide spaces to hold these uh, practices. And then for me as a kind of designer creative is I really got excited about thinking about how can we take some of those aspects of rituals and design and create our rituals that we think might be really transformative and helpful to people and and take some of those elements. So I'm really excited about experimenting with some of those ideas. Yeah. And then create then create places and structures and maybe thinking about the power of impermanence as well is what structures do we create that just live for that time being that are made of very simple materials, reusing materials that are normally maybe a waste product and creating something that is just there for that time to help someone transform and then it just goes back to back to nature and goes back to where it came from. Yeah, and that's what's that's what's really intriguing and fascinating for us to go in these journeys is that we experience the personal benefits of doing something amazing like that. But then it's full of inspiration to come back and integrate into our projects and deliver some of those modalities or ideas into a different setting or part of the world or, you know, part of this country in the US and how we can learn from some of those amazing things that work so well there that we can transform into projects that we're working on here. And then one other really big takeaway for me was, and I feel like there was the message throughout from the practitioners, is that any class we've done, any modality, any practice, is it's all in the essence really about awakening your inner strength, like really connecting with yourself. All the journeys we've done is really connecting with, with us, with our bodies, with our heart, with, with kind of our spirit. Because ultimately, for transformation, it's all inside of us. None of the external world can help us truly transform. And all those modalities are more finding ourselves and connecting with us and really finding that inner power. And I think that's really powerful. And I think it's really important as well, because the more and more these rituals and wellness experience become popular, the more people are maybe drawn to experiencing all those things. But if you do that without that consciousness and without really finding your own inner energy, it can become another stress thing of something you feel you do and you do so much that you just don't really think about it and you don't do it with finding that inner strength in you because ultimately we don't need anything on the outside, like nothing. It's in any situation, we have it on the inside and it's learning how to tap into that. Yeah, I think that's a perfect summary and really the best way to to finish this episode is to let people chew on that and just really remember that yeah there are no magic pills out there it's everything we need is within us one more thing to mention i'm extremely grateful that i got to experience all of this with you oh, yeah, me too yeah <laughs> it was ma I, yeah it was really magical so thank you thank you see you next week see you next week <laughs>